All right, Kerry, come. You getting ready? Yes, yes, yes. Come on, sit next to me. All right. I have great news to tell you. <clears throat> What's up? Look, remember this name, okay? Remember this name. What is it? Alexander Isaac. Alexander Isaac. Yes, have you heard about this guy? Uh, no, I can't say I have, unfortunately. This is the latest wonder kid in the market, in the soccer world. Is that right? He's 17 years old and Swedish player. Mm, sounds Swedish. <laughs> Alexander Isak. Uh, really, 17 years old. 17 years old. And he debuted in Alsvenskan at the age of 16. Mm. And pretty straight away, man, he, he delivered. He's been scoring. He's been involved in the games. And the entire soccer world is wanting this guy right now. This past season? This is his first season? Yeah. That's good stuff. Nice. You know, like being 17-year-old, he played already 24 games for... Oyekor, which is one of the biggest clubs in Sweden. Nice. You know, you have uh, obviously Malmö that's great in Champions League mm. and my hometown, Urbu Esko. Mm. But you also have a lot of different uh, Stockholm teams like Hammarby, U Gordon. And usually the U Gordon game between Oyekor is the big Stockholm derby. Ah. You know, very exciting. Yeah. It's a really big, big derby. He played in it? He played in it. Like last season, he scored 10 goals and one, one assist. Striker? He's a striker. He is a striker. You know? He's very, right now, skinny, but he's so calm. He's so calm. His first touch is unbelievable, and he's a good finisher. And he has this eye for the game. And they already tell that he's very mature, obviously, for his age and already being this stage. He also played two caps with the national team and he scored in his second game. At 16, 17, 17? Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Like, clubs like Chelsea, PSG, Juventus, Arsenal, Liverpool are looking for this All guy. All the big boys. <laughs> Real Madrid yeah. wants this guy. Bayern Munich, they want this guy. Mm. 17 years old, dude. 17 years old. I know, man. Uh, that's, do you think he'll go? Do you think he'll, or do you think he'll stay? Do you think he'll, he'll go to one of these big clubs? It's a good chance for him, good opportunity for him. Definitely. And the latest rumors are that he will leave for almost a record-breaking Swedish transfer. I looked on the YouTube and he played the Stockholm Derby against Zio Gordon, right? Mm. <laughs> and uh, um, Oyeko uh, won the game. And Alexander Isak scored two goals. <laughs> two goals. <laughs> After the game, he had his interview, and you could see the rest of the team was dancing and cheering and jumping because right. of the win in front of this, this crowd. And after the interview, Alexander Isak went, and right in front, he had the Oyeko supporters, mm. and they are really diehard supporters. And behind him, he had all his teammates. And both of them were singing "Happy Birthday." <laughs> Diehard fans. Yep. Yep. Uh, That's happy a, birthday. Happy birthday. Can't ask for a better present, right? <laughs> That's a good night to go home Let's, and sleep with, right? Let's just hope he doesn't, you know, have his agent complaining that he doesn't get a birthday cake or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You remember the name? Alexander Isak. Yeah. Welcome to the second episode of Oscotch and King Soccer Podcast Show. What a great weekend it's been for Arsenal and Chelsea. They're the big winners this weekend in Premier League. Yeah, man. Uh, exciting weekend, but amazing. You look at the clubs like Liverpool yeah. and, and Manchester United, unable to get out the wins. Liverpool losing. Arsenal and Chelsea really took advantage of everyone else slipping up, yeah? They did, they did. I mean, if you look at uh, even the Manchester City and Tottenham game, yeah, 
2-0 to Manchester City by two mistakes from Lloris. <laughs> One of the top keepers in England. But you know that Lloris occasionally, sometimes, does mistake like this. Sure. But yeah. a keeper doing two mistakes in the same game. Uh, Man, they, were, they weren't like even questionable mistakes. They were just so bad. So bad. My goodness. In the first one, he's coming out and tried to actually head that ball. But it looks like he's already in the penalty box. He could maybe box it. Like, yeah, punch it out. Punch yeah. it out. But I think he just completely missed it, didn't he? <laughs> he did. He yeah. did. And However, was... very strong by Tottenham to come back. Yeah, two goals down, come back. Even if they did sort of gift Manchester their goals. I mean, that second one. My goodness. Oh, he, like, routine stop. Routine catch. We just bobbled it right in front of De Bruyne. De Bruyne. And just taps it in. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's good on Tottenham. That's good good resilience. But honestly, talking about Arsenal and Chelsea as big winners. Yep. I think the results that could have happened, other than a Manchester United loss, mm-hmm. that I think the results that were best for those other two clubs happened. Like happened. I think a tie between City and Tottenham. Yeah. I think for me, I think that was the best result yep. for to Arsenal and Chelsea. Liverpool loss, and then Manchester United just if they if they had lost, but then then that would have been the icing on the cake. But uh, even a tie is still a good result for the other two. Definitely, and you got to mention too that Arsenal was leading one zero for a long time, and Chaka got a stupid red card, like mm. so stupid. What do you do a tackle like that on the third end of the field? Yeah, in their opponent's half. Yeah, I like him. Yeah, as a player, I think he's actually a really good addition. He's one of those players that I think Arsenal needs. Definitely, but uh, he does have these discipline problems. He had—I don't know the exact number, but like, I think he had twenty or thirty something yellow cards last season really? in Germany, which is quite a lot. Yeah, uh, you know, Arsenal need that sort of bite in them, that sort of ferocity. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. You, you can't have some player make stupid decisions like that. While you're leading, were they already leading 1-0? They were leading 1-0. And and in the 90th minute, Burnley got a penalty. And 1-1. But something stunned me. or It was a different atmosphere at Emirates this time. Like, even if they scored 1-1, you could hear the crowd cheering and still believing in that Arsenal can't go up and maybe even score one more goal. I mean, we're talking about 90... It was a lot of stoppage time. It yeah. Like it was like third or fourth minute or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. And then Arsenal really went for it, man. The Arsenal really went for it. They had two chances, uh, put up the ball twice. But in the third time, a ball comes in to Koshimni and he gets a boot on his head and so painful. a penalty again. But this time, Arsenal. Who yeah. steps in, Terry? None other than Alexis Sanchez. Sanchez. Boom! Yeah. This is like 97th minute or something. <laughs> something ridiculous. Two, two penalties. I think I remember. This reminded me of, I remember uh, a few years ago. I think like 2011 or 12. Arsenal played Liverpool at the Emirates. And it ended up being 1-1. Or something similar. I think two penalties in second half stoppage time. <laughs> And Liverpool tied it at the end, uh, 1-1. So this is kind of reminding me of that. Yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous, but in the cheek of Sanchez to do a Penenka, a little chip we just right down the that middle. In. Yeah. We just lobbed that ball in. But you're right about the, the atmosphere. The Arsenal didn't give up. Normally, you give up, give up a penalty so late, you're going to be deflated. The fans didn't give up. They mm-hmm. were so loud getting behind their team. Uh, and you always see at the Emirates, I don't know if you notice... Uh, like I, I can tell watching on TV, uh, uh, once the game is laid on and if it's already decided, if because Arsenal were leading going yeah. into the stoppage time, if it, if they think the game's already won, then you see fans you know leave a bit early. I don't like before. that. You don't like that? Yeah, I don't like that. I think I I've heard reason. Yeah. It's because I think traffic around the Emirates and around London there is really bad. Fair enough. So, you know, to each their own, I suppose. Yeah. If you want to beat that traffic. I don't mind certainly just staying till the end. But you do see that a lot. But And you might have seen some of that this game, too. Plenty of fans were stayed behind mm. and got behind mm. their team, wanting to fight to the end because they knew, they knew some of the results. 
knew that Arsenal needed to win this, how big a win would have been. Yeah. So credit to the fans that stayed. Credit to Arsenal. Big time, man. Big time. What I definitely noticed was that Wenger got pissed. He got mad after that 1-1. He (laughs) got mad. And he kind of got sent off. And he decided to stay in the corridor. Mm -hmm. And he slightly pushed the fourth referee. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Wenger. Thank you. Like that kind of, that is contagious. You know what I'm saying? That's contagious. Like what you do as a coach and your gestures and your involvement, that is contagious. If you looked at Chelsea, they were up 1-0. Hull played really good. Mm. But once the second goal came for Chelsea, it could look like almost Conte or Chelsea won a Champions League title, dude. He was like, he was like screaming so much, almost going down on his knees. Mm-hmm. But this is like just knowing kind of that they sec- might secure the game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking back right now to the Liverpool United game mm-hmm. last weekend. And I remember just the foul between, I think it was Herrera and somebody at Firmino, maybe. And I remember Mourinho and Klopp. They completely like got into it at each other, <laughs> yeah. arguing at yeah. each other, shouting at each other. Yeah, like I think they had to be separated by the ref, the fourth official there. I mean, you can go too far, and maybe you could argue Wenger went a little bit too far. Right, but this right. this passion is certainly something that we've wanted for a long time from him. Indeed, and indeed. Paid, I, don't, I guess you could say it paid off. It is contagious. It is contagious. And what's interesting now is that if Arsenal can get their level a bit higher or more consistency mm. in their game they are looking good yeah like they've got they've got you know, i think eight points seven or eight points behind chelsea but not impossible they've got a good series of games coming up before they play chelsea yeah <laughs> uh, three weeks yeah so that, that'll be that could be the title i don't know if it could be the title decider there I don't, maybe I'm going too far to say that. But until but, then, let's go by each game. Yeah, by each. one game at a time. You know? Let's yeah. do that. Let's do that. Something I noticed during the United game mm. against Stoke mm. was what really happened to the game when Mourinho put in Marcus Rashford. Ah, yeah. What, what did you notice? It felt like Marcus Rashford made his opponent on one-on-one. He passed him like four out of five times. I mean, he's so <laughs> irrational somehow, yet we've been <laughs> getting knowing... So many good skilled players on one and one, but somehow he's so slippery. He takes the ball, he stops it, and then goes again. And the players are really getting out of balance when they try to defend to Marcus Rashford. And he comes on the side and puts the ball in. And he's really, really taking his spotlight somehow at a team with Rooney, Slatan Ibrahimovic, Mitarian. Yeah. It's not that easy to come into a team with these kind of profile players and uh, kind of try to still be your own. You know, there's a, I agree, there's a sense of maturity that you need to have to find your own place in a team like that. And you know, part of that maturity is knowing what your role is. Yes. And not necessarily doing, you know, too much or doing something that is unreasonable. Once you see Rashford come in, whether mm-hmm. he starts or comes off the bench, you know what he's going to do. And you just said it. He's going to take you on, beat you one-on-one four, four or five times. Yeah. Uh, have a couple of shots. Yeah. Have a couple of crosses. I like about his crosses is uh, 
he he plays a smart he plays a smart pass. Once he beats you, yeah, he he won't you know overcomplicate things. He'll beat you, and then he'll play the pass to he could like, cross the back post or he'll cut it back to like the center. But he'll mix it up because you never exactly know what you're gonna get, except you do know what you're gonna get yeah, at the same time. That, that, so. That's that's brilliant in this guy. Yeah. I think that's the brilliance in any talent that is coming up right now. Yeah. That's 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 what they need to have. These youngsters, I forget how old he is now. He's like 18 or 19 or something. Yeah. But I noticed that the new talents that are coming up the past 2 years, it's almost like they have a new dimension to the game. They have like new wave of playing. They was almost like more direct. You know, mm-hmm. you're going more straightforward. They are more wise. They're more experienced somehow. It's almost like you look at Marcus Rashford. Seems like he already played hundreds of games in Premier League. Yeah. But yet this is his second season. I think that that uh, confidence has a lot to do with that too. And again, that knowing, you know, look like you have this confidence and look like you've been doing this for years. If you know exactly what your role is. Okay, interesting. So, a question I have for you, my friend, is... I want to discuss a bit with you what you think makes a player fit into the team or get into a team. You know, get that role. How, you know, like, how, what's the main factors for a talent to come to a team and s- still have an impact and develop to reach his full potential? Mm. Uh... Not an easy question. Definitely not. I'd say one thing is they need to come into a team that's stable and a team that isn't just buying him or bringing him in you know, through academy or whatever just because, just for sales or something. Like You hear about that about like Real Madrid and Florentino Perez. He'll just go and buy. He'll want to just go and buy whichever the new big name player is yeah. when it doesn't necessarily fit the team. But... You know, a player like Marcus Rashford, since that's who we're talking about, for Manchester United that has been struggling for the last few years, had been lacking of life mm-hmm. and energy. Mm-hmm. He comes in and just brings this excitement to the club and and sort of re-energizes everyone, everyone around him and himself as he as he sees the impact that he's having. So let me ask you then. It seems like United has a plan for Rashford. I think so. But like players like Rodwell or Sinclair that went to City. Yeah. Didn't City have a plan for these players? I'm sure they had. I, I don't know. It's hard to say that they didn't have a plan. I, I, I assume they did and it just didn't work out. Maybe they just didn't think hard enough on these players. But, so let's see. Rodwell and uh, who else? Sinclair. They, City was pretty, is a pretty stacked club so maybe they couldn't really get in this playing time around carlos tevez and uh yeah Torre, david silva right so it's well it's good for these players that they're getting you know practice times and such with these superstars yeah their lack of playing time is what i think is really bad for them i agree i agree like, you saw Rodwell had a lot of potential in him. Yeah. Or even Sinclair, a very fast player. And they did really good at their clubs. But once they came to City, they didn't have room to be tested or get that experience on the field. Yeah. Fail and keep going with it. Um, they never really got playing time. And such a important decision for youngsters to make. Right. Not only that the club has the plan for them, but also that they know that they will get some playing time. Yeah, because they're being youngsters like that. They're hungry for playing time. So they don't want to be just at a club just to practice or be on the bench. So lack of confidence, I think, is what hurts them. Because what happens next, if that would happen? What happens next is that the club doesn't want them anymore. Yeah. And they want to have more playing time, so they go to a different club. Sinclair is now at Celtic. Celtic. Yeah. Rodwell is now at I think about Sunderland. Sunderland, but yeah. he's not sure if he's a starter or not. Yeah, right. They feel like they're not needed at places like Manchester City and stuff, right? 
Exactly. And last season, a big signing name for Manchester City mm. was Fabian Delph. And today, you can see Fabian Delph being the same exact situation. Yeah. Yeah, it's deja vu again. Isn't deja vu. It? <laughs> I almost deja forgot vu. about it. Big, big expectations from Aston Villa, and now maybe it's the coach. There was a change in coach that has something to do with it too, perhaps. But I don't know. He's hardly played this season, if yeah. at all. Yeah, barely. I can't remember. I mean, he was almost touching in national play yeah. too. Yeah, he was. But then you also had players that comes and goes and manage in different clubs. You know, like, on top of my head, uh, you got Hatem Ben Arfa. Mm-hmm. Like, he feels like his career been going so much up and down, up and down, and now he's at Paris Saint-Germain. And not really getting that much playing time, yeah. but, but still, he's at a big club. And uh, you also have, uh, what's his name? Jovetic. Yeah. Jovetic that came as a one of the biggest talent in Europe. Yeah. Yeah, captain for the national team at a young age, went to Fiorentina. Fiorentina was captain there too, and yeah. really, really important player for them. From Fiorentina, he went to Manchester City, Manchester City to Inter, mm. and from Inter, he didn't really do that much at Inter. No, you know, it yeah. was almost like, man, we bought Jovetic. This is not you, but there is something that we are missing because. He got on loan to Sevilla and now became one of the most important players offensively for the Sevilla team. Uh, he just fits right in with that Sevilla style of play. And he's only played, he just got there, he's only played like a couple of games. <laughs> yeah. But he's instantly made an impact. And what, game winner against Real Madrid in his first or second game. So <laughs> scored a winning goal. Yeah, so... <laughs> So sometimes I think like soccer, okay, you know, it's, it's the skills, it's the experience. So does that really matter then in what club you are? As long as the plan and the formation is kind of fit for you, mm-hmm. you know? I remember when I watched Lucas Moura mm-hmm. and all he has done in Brazil. And I was like, wait a minute, this is like incredible talent. Yeah. The goals he scored, long shot. Up in the cross, super fast, super yeah. fast, technical. This is an incredible player, and no kidding that United was in the race for so long, mm-hmm. and he chose Paris Saint Germain. But he hasn't either got to that expected, I guess, yeah. expected potential that we wanted from him. Yeah, and I think again, coaches may have something to do with it. I don't. I'm baffled why he doesn't play more with PSG and with Brazil. I think he, whenever he does play, I think he does really well. But coaches just seem to not think he fits or don't like him or whichever, so they don't play him. And I think there's a lot of, of interesting situations that can occur with players that coaching changes or they may have had a starting spot and then they get injured or something. And then whoever replaces them just fits well with the team and they don't want to, they don't want to change up the team too much. So they, so the players pushed out to the side. And it's hard to get him back in. So there's a lot of reasons like that. But I mean, you're talking about there's so many reasons and factors. The even social component outside the pitch is very important. They feel welcome in the city. They like the weather. They have their families there. You know, there's so many components that really have to be nurtured for a player when it comes to a new club that sometimes... They make it. Sometimes they get better. Sometimes even reaches unbelievable achievements. But then you have so many that is not doing it. That kind of falls out of that spotlight. And I say real fast, one more player that hopefully doesn't die off like that is Jack Wilshere, who looks like he could be one of England's best ever players at times. Starred for Arsenal at times when he's healthy. But now he's kind of loaned out to Bournemouth. Possibly, I think, maybe just temporary. I think he'll be back. That uh, game he played against Barcelona with Arsenal, oh, man, that was that nasty. Was amazing. That was nasty. <laughs> I, looked, I looked at him, <laughs> uh, and I was like, 
why aren't you playing for Barcelona right now? <laughs> he asked Fabregas after the game that was playing at Arsenal at the time yeah. to pick Iniesta's and Messi's jersey after the game. He said, I only do this one time for you. Next time, they will ask you. <laughs> you know? It was something like that. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. He has that potential, doesn't he? He has that talent in him. So He's on loan in Bournemouth, but hopefully it doesn't sort of die away because he could really go somewhere. Yeah. It's that's an interesting method that clubs do on loan. Mm-hmm. Um, Loftus-Cheek. Loftus-Cheek? Is that guy that was went, went to a loan and now Czech called him back? He was like getting... He was playing every week with the Bournemouth. That guy with the dreads at Chelsea. Um, oh, Ake. Ake, yeah, yeah. Did they call him back? They called him back. Oh, I didn't know. He's, he's sitting he was, on the, yeah, he was playing all the time. Yeah, the guy's sitting on the bench now. You know what I'm saying? Wow, I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was, he was yeah. doing really good with Bournemouth. Right, he was scoring <laughs> goals and stuff. Yeah. Now he's back at uh, Chelsea, you know. And the only only thing that I can uh, justify for Conte is obviously the guy wants to have the best squad he's, he can get. Yeah. And if Ake is yeah. one of them, then they call him back. But... Wow, that w- went really good for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's loan at Wilshire again. I remember loan at Bolton and for I think a season or half a season. And he starred for them. Luckily, he was able to come back in Arsenal and continue playing whenever he was healthy. Ake, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> see what would happen, right? Yeah. I mean, what we know for sure is life is life, man. Life is life. You, you, you don't know. Sometimes you go and have a new start. And that's a great beginning. Sometimes you go and try to have a new start. It's not really working out. But eventually, you will come to a place where you feel like home. Mm. And you're secure and your confidence will boost up. And you will eventually build up your talent. Yeah, you got to make the most of what's given to you. It doesn't look like you'll get your way. Keep going and it will come, it'll come to you. Stay focused. Yeah. Life is life. Welcome back to Oz Cotton King Soccer Podcast Show. Welcome back, welcome back. Kerry, yep. we are doing this to the soccer fans out there. Yes. We're doing this from the eyes of soccer fans. Yep. Soccer yep. players. Yep. Soccer coach. Yep. And thanks to you guys that we are actually sitting here and bringing you some of the experiences that we've been through and also what we seen and noticed the past weekend. Yeah. Like us, like you guys are fans of the game and we just like to bring our own concepts, our own thoughts of what we see and what we hope to see. We just like to bring that to you guys. Definitely. We want to do it in an entertaining way so you guys can enjoy while you're listening to our beautiful voices. (laughs) (laughs) So follow us on social media yeah we got facebook facebook instagram instagram twitter twitter follow us on oscotch and king please and to listen to our episodes go to our website yes what's our website Kerry? is oscotch and king.com oscotch and king.com o-z-k-o-c and k-i-n-g.com yep Welcome back to the show. I want to talk to you about something I do with my U10 girls occasionally. And uh, sometimes I give them some players' names. I tell them, go home, go on YouTube.com, 
and look up Marta. Look up Lisa Dolkilist. Look up Alex Morgan. Like, watch these players in action. Maybe they can pick one or two things up. Maybe they get inspired. Maybe they get more enthusiastic mm. and more love for the game. Mm. I remember a time where YouTube was not that big in Sweden. All right? It wasn't that big in Sweden. But when it came out, dude, it was amazing to go on the computer and look for soccer videos. <laughs> uh, my mom, one of the first soccer videos I've seen, my mom actually showed it to me because she knew I was getting so into soccer. Anyways, <laughs> and I've seen so many of these videos now. I love watching them. But it was Ronaldinho versus Latin Ibrahimovic. Really? Just highlights. Just showing diff- just different... Just all the skills they did, goals they'd score, and the so and the music that played too. It's always so fun to watch. It's so cool. I mean, you literally get stuck into it. Yeah, you go from one video to one video, and, and then you're then... watching for like an hour. Or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You go from one video and to the next video, and then you start looking up the players you like. Yeah, and uh, I remember a special kid that I looked up. I mean, obviously, he was older than me, mm. you know. However, his name was already kind of echoing in Europe. He was a 16-year-old player that did his first Premier League against Arsenal. Ah. In a game that Arsenal had like Vieira, Burkamp, Henri, Freddy Jungberg. And this 16-year-old kid came in for Everton and took down the ball one step and they shot it, hit the post and into the goal. And the commentators screamed this. Gravison forward. Rooney, instant control. Passes his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! We definitely remember the name now, don't we? We do, we do. <laughs> From a 16-year-old, as you said, for Everton. Still pretty impressive. Everton, big club, 16-year-old, exploring against Arsenal. Arsenal. Among the best in the Premier League at the time. Uh, like, absolute best. He was the youngest goal scorer, mm. and he did it in a, such a way. That's with a shot from 20 yards out or so. 20, 25 yards out. Good stuff. Good stuff to watch. Definitely good stuff. Waza. Yeah. Have you heard him called that? Waza. As opposed to you no know, old English player <laughs> yeah. Paul Gascoigne. Gaza. Yeah. yeah. Waza. It's <laughs> supposed to be like the next next Paul Gascoigne or something. Uh, but he, you know, like we know, he became more than that. Oh yeah. And he's his own player for sure. His own man. When he came through and scored that goal, you could see how much that meant to the entire Everton team. How much yeah. that meant to the crowd too. And uh, even the coach, David Moyes, could, you know, tell that this is not an ordinary player that is coming through the ranks. Yeah. And you could tell how happy they were for him. Happy he was, obviously. But then the players, once they all ran into the crowd together, they all surrounded him and mobbed him. They could so you could tell how happy they were for this 16-year-old kid <laughs> to announce himself on the world stage really. he really entered the stage yeah and at that age you know he showed amazing potential and growth mm. he was skill wise already matured like he 
that goal just shows you what he was capable of doing. Right. And uh, yet, you could tell that there is more into this young lad, Wayne Rooney. And shortly after that season, someone came and knocked on the door. It was Sir Alex Ferguson. <laughs> Who else? I mean, what do you say? Uh, come in. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Can I help you? <laughs> yeah, where are the papers? <laughs> yeah, Alex Ferguson. He wanted Wayne Rooney to go to Manchester United. The biggest club in the world. One of the biggest clubs in the world. And uh, I don't know if it was the same season or the season before... But they also had Cristiano Ronaldo, a really young, at that time. Mm, I think it was the season before. Before, okay. And do you remember who the top strikers at United was? Uh, so yeah, they had Ruud van Nistelrooy, of course. Uh, I believe Luis Saha was also in the ranks at the time. Alan Smith. Alan <laughs> Smith. <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, Ryan Giggs coming in. False uh, goals. False goals, right. And uh, and defenders like uh, Phil Neville, yeah. Neville, uh, Rio Ferdinand, Nemanja yeah. Vidic. Vidic. So they had a lot of players that was also talents. Like Rio Ferdinand was one of the best and most expensive defender that came to United at the time. Yeah. yeah, he came with big money for a young talent that was kind of unheard of in England at the time. Yeah, squad full of world-class players, uh, one of the top clubs in Europe. Uh, had a lot of expectations on them. And he's, the fact that he was an English player, too, I think, added to the, the hype around him and the expectation around him. That's true, that's true. But the environment he came into mm. was, you could say, the right environment with the coach yeah, that's true. that is known for developing a lot of talents and also giving them chance. Yeah, that's true. And uh, that, along with the mixture of young superstars like Ronaldo and Rooney, with veterans, absolutely world-class veterans like Vidic and, and Giggs and Van Nistelrooy, was a good and healthy environment for a young player to step into. Yeah. And he started to deliver early on, didn't he? He delivered right away, didn't he? He did. He did. Right. His first season at United... In 2004-2005, yeah. he, I think he scored 11 goals. Mm, solid. And he would have been like 19 or 20 or something now. Yeah. So, yeah. That's pretty pretty good for a youngster. When was, That would have been his uh, first experience in a title-challenging squad, a team that's it's, you know, challenging for Premier League titles, FA Cups, Champions League. He gets his first taste in oh, Champions yeah. League. And also starting getting into the national team. True. Yes. It was around this time the national team came calling. Uh, I remember his Euros in 2004. <laughs> he is so impressive. He's, everyone was so surprised at how... I remember holding it like 18 or so. Everyone was so surprised at how he lit up those Euros. It was a revelation. Definitely. He had the attitude, man. Yeah. He had that attitude that he's going to be one of the best strikers in England. Mm. I mean, just just read some of the achievements he has done and won at United. All right. Uh, he's won the Premier League five times, FA Cup once, League Cup twice, Community Shield four times, Champions League once, and the Club World Cup once. That's with Manchester United. Also been in a Champions League final that they lost against yeah, Barcelona. Barcelona. Scored in that final too. He did. Uh, two Champions League finals, in fact, against Barcelona that they lost. They lost. Yeah. So, yeah, he's been, he's also you know, player of the year twice in England, young player of the year uh, twice <laughs> again. <laughs> um, Golden Boy Award in the team of the tournament in the Euros in 2004. He's been the captain for the national team. Yeah. He's been scoring most goals for the national team. Yeah, he, he's. 49, 50 goals or so. Yeah. At United, he had like two seasons where he scored 34 goals and 36 goals. Around this time, he was 
clearly one of the best players in the world. I remember it's along with Ronaldo and Messi and Kaká at the time as oh. well. Rooney was right up there with him. He really reached real heights in his career. I remember a rumor. I'm not exactly sure if this is true, but apparently when he was a kid, his dad bet on that he would play in the Euros in 2004. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about believing in yeah. in the in the kid then. We made a lot of money off of that for sure. <laughs> and his career hasn't been outside the page totally calm. You know, he had some. Rumors. He's been having some scandals. Yeah, and he's definitely a player that got a lot of bad rumor or bad talk in the media. He's definitely been an object of media to talk down to, hasn't he? Yeah, for sure. And also, I remember uh, once or twice there's maybe these arguments he had with Sir Alex Ferguson. He's asking if he wants to be traded. I remember it's talks that he'd be uh, transferred to Arsenal or Chelsea. He was unhappy with the United, but they eventually, you know, worked themselves out. I also remember 2006 with uh, the World Cup. He got red carded against Portugal. Yeah, he did. And Ronaldo, you know, is big news. Ronaldo was so vehemently trying to help Rooney get sent off or get Rooney sent off. And Rooney pushed yeah, Ronaldo. Yeah, pushed him away. Yeah, you thought maybe there's going to be this questions or maybe there's these to, you know, are going to get along and can't play together again. Right. Yeah, and uh, keep in mind, at one point it, it was almost like a bomb hit European soccer. A bomb hit Manchester. Like when Sir Alex Ferguson had a press conference and talking about Rooney leaving Manchester United for Manchester City. Ah, uh, that was like nobody expected that. That was huge. What? What? Where did this come from? When he's not happy at United and all this talk. Remember that time? Yeah, yeah. Manchester City. I actually forgot about the Manchester City aspect, along with the Arsenal and Chelsea. So no one expected that he wasn't happy. And if they, even if they did think he was unhappy, no one expected them to go to United's chief rivals, like Manchester City or anything. However, United. Renew his contract and became the most and best player in the league with that contract he got. Right. And uh, captain of United today. But if you look back on the 12 years, 14 years that he had now at United, yeah. what is the one moment that you remember him for? Uh, I would say, and I think a lot of people would say, a goal he scored against Manchester City that ridiculous bicycle kick in a win against Manchester City like 2012 or 11. Remember that? Oh it was outrageous. God, His foot seemed to go so above the crossbar. Incredible. <laughs> he was so high up. Yeah. Michael Richards even jumped and tried to hit that ball out of the box. But he just hit it so hard. And Joe Hart had nothing to do. Uh-uh. uh-uh. Nothing to do. I think that was once he then celebration was once he ran up, ran to the corner flag and had his arms outstretched. Right, it's almost like a famous celebration. It was <laughs> outstretched in front of the crowd, just like uh, enjoying it. Yep, yep. <laughs> just enjoying just it, soaking it in. Oh my God, Wayne Rooney, the bicycle the goal against Manchester City. Not it. One of the great goals in the history of the Manchester derby at Old Trafford on the 12th of February 2011. That was an incredible goal that all United fans and Wayne Rooney fans will always remember. Yeah, like in the derby against City, an outrageous goal like that. Well done, Wayne Rooney. 
But uh, he scored some other he scored some other amazing goals in his career. Besides that one, that's probably going to be the most memorable one. But he's uh, scored some others, hasn't he? He has. Yeah, he has. Is there anything any particular that you remember? Any others? Let me see here. Let me see. You know how my entire family is Fenerbahce fans, right? So I, anytime I could watch Fenerbahce. I did, and usually it was in the Champions League, when they, whenever they played in Champions League, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember United against Fenerbahce, and that was actually Wayne Rooney's first game. His first Champions League game. I think it was his first game overall. First game wow. overall for Manchester United. And uh, he stepped in, man. Pretty, he scored two goals. Something to you know, he scored two goals. And after all this talk about Rooney, Rooney, you know, the talent he is and the big money he came for, and now he's actually going to play a game for Manchester United and he's also in Champions League and he's already scored two goals. Mm-hmm. And then there is a free kick outside the box and you have a couple of players that try to get it. And while Rooney just goes there and takes the ball and puts it up. The season. Now, who do you think might take this free kick? He's gone and grabbed the ball straight away. Look, there's half a dozen names around there. Van Nistelrooy gig. He's going, no thanks, I'm having it. Van Nistelrooy sulking uh, inside the penalty area has never scored a European hat-trick, you know. Wayne Rooney is one magical swing of his right foot away from doing that on his Manchester United debut. It's Rooney. It's inevitable. Confidence. I think we all felt he might do it, he just might do it, but to step up and do that, Patrick on your debut in the Champions League is absolutely top class, it really is. So remember the name, remember when history really happens, remember the first time you might see a player entering the big stage, yeah. remember the first goals, remember the first scandals, or the red cards, or the Stuff that happens, right? Yeah. After Wayne Rooney scored that goal against Arsenal, and everyone was like, "Remember for Everton?" Everyone was like, "Remember the name Wayne Rooney?" He's he's announced himself. <laughs> well, people definitely remember his name now. Manchester United fans remember his name now. Like you said, he's captain. And what else did he do this weekend? This weekend, game away at Stoke. They are down by 1-0. Yeah. And they've been trying to push the entire game, entire game, go on it, go on it, try to score and score and score. And you could see that United is very attacking soccer team. You know, with Mkhitaryan, with Zlatan, Delaney, Mata, you know, the Pogba, they're pushing up so much. And at one point, Mourinho brought in Wayne Rooney, and he also brought in Marcus Rashford, which, which changed the game. No, young and new of Manchester United. Yeah. Young and old, either, of Manchester United. The young and old, you know. <laughs> you could see, like, how Wayne Rooney, he's coming almost to an uh, end of an era. Mm. But you also saw Marcus Rashford is starting a new era. Yeah. And uh, at the 90th minute, there is a free kick outside the box, but this is on the side. Yeah. You know? Pretty similar. It's still a free kick. Like he scores his first goal against Fenerbahce. Now he stood again in getting ready to take a free kick to this club that he's been dedicated for yeah. his entire professional career. Yeah. He hasn't changed or went to a different club. Yeah, he went from Everton to United, and then he's been United through and through. And uh, he took that free kick, and amazingly, from such a difficult angle, soars right into the side netting, back of the net. Ridiculous free kick. And this wasn't just a goal to tie it for United at the last minute, but this was actually much more than that. This goal 
signified Rooney's importance as a Manchester United player as it was his 250th goal for the club, breaking the record of Sir Bobby Charlton. And Rooney is the top goal scorer of all time for Manchester United. Let's let that sink in for a while. Top goal scorer of all time. 250 goals for Manchester United. He's done it, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Captain, top goal scorer, England top goal scorer, and uh, it's amazing that Marcus Rashford has someone like Rooney to look onto, to, to receive the torch from. Also someone like Ibrahimovic. Sure, yes. Yeah. And also have a coach as in Mourinho. Yeah. Yeah. The fans. So you might be able to say that Marcus Rashford is more or less in the same role and position that Wayne Rooney was back in the day. Yeah. Interesting. You want to hear his record-breaking goal? Sure, why not? All right, then. Wayne Rooney with the ball at his feet. Deep in added time. Rooney's delivery. Oh, it's a sensational goal! Wayne Rooney, record breaker. That's number 250. What a way to break the record. And Wayne Rooney now stands alone as Manchester United's record goal scorer. And in the nick of time, Rooney rescues United. Brilliant strike. A special goal, a landmark goal. And beautifully taken. I feel like we're entering a new stage even in our soccer fan life. You know, there are players that we watch for so long that are kind of ending their careers, right? You got Pirlo, you got Gerard, Lampard, you know, even though we have Shevchenko and other top, top players. Yeah. But you can kind of see that, okay, when Rooney is coming almost to end of his career too. He might play a United um, another couple of years, maybe. Yeah, he's still, he's still uh, 32. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. But definitely he's approaching the end, for sure. Right? You, you're, not really, you're not really expecting him to score another 34 goals in one season. Right. Yeah. He has stepped into a different role now at United. I remember the day when I watched his score three goals against Fenerbahce. Mm. His first game. I mean, there's so many moments, there's so many enjoyments and celebrations that this guy has offered not only United fans, but also to soccer fans like us. Yeah. And just think of what he still has to offer in this, you know, new role for United, but he's still captain, maybe taking a different sort of position on the field than he used to. And, uh... He still has a lot that people can learn from. He's sure. definitely a role model for younger players that are coming up. Not only Marcus Rashford, but even a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old that yeah. are watching YouTube at home. Yeah. They can kind of see now with the power of internet almost his entire career. Also read his books, read his experiences, read his background. Mm. And to have someone like that in the locker room, that's a tremendous asset. Yeah. It's professionalism, maturity. Loyalty. Loyalty. Right. These are all things that a young player will see and admire. Definitely. And say, I want that. That's life, man. Life is life, you know. A era will end, a new era will begin, right? Right. That's what happens. And we want to celebrate... When Rooney, and I'm sure that the appreciation for Wayne Rooney among United fans are endless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at this point, you can't you can't uh, be too disappointed with 250 goals. <laughs> you can't you can't not appreciate that. 
But what is when Rooney actually showing us or taught us? For me, it is that if you have a raw talent, you have a potential, and you come into an environment that you will be good at, and you have a coach that believing in you, yet there's so much work you have to do on your own. If you put in all the work you can do, every minute, every hour, don't even think about the rest, then you have a good chance to reach this level. Yeah, I agree with that. And Rooney's career has plenty of up and downs, but he fought through them. And uh, look where he is now. Top goal scorer for Manchester United. This is a celebration for you, Wayne Rooney. Hope you guys at home can also enjoy to this music. There's one more thing I have to ask you, Kerry. All right. Now when I have the chance to hang out with you. Um, Lay it on me. I mean, you know, we've been talking about how some players fit into a team. What's the important factors? There's so many, right? Mm. We've been talking about Raul and Sinclair and how Fabian Delph is in this situation now. Yeah. We've been talking about... Success he, of Rashford. Success of Rashford and yeah. how he's in a good area. Mm. And we've also been recapping fast about Wayne Rooney's career. My question to you is, if you would be 17 years old or agent to a 17-year-old or maybe the family member to a 17-year-old that is wanting by Chelsea, PSG, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, Real Madrid, Arsenal, Liverpool, right? What club would you suggest him to go to? I mean, if you look at one team, and obviously I'm asking you, what team do you think Alexander Isak should pick? It's tough. He can learn so much from a place like Real Madrid with all these superstars and uh, how well that club is run. But what happened with Odegaard? There's a good one. That's a good, good reference. Uh, Hasn't played much with Madrid. I've seen him just play like friendly games, unofficial friendly games. Uh, he's been loaned out, but he's no doubting his quality. He's, he's wonderful to watch, isn't he? Very but, technical, but very fast, and he's still young too. Still seventeen or eighteen or so, but he hasn't been able to quite get 
that first team look. So and he's now on loan to get some playing yeah, right. time. Hopefully that works out for him. Right. We don't want to be too quick to judge his career and where he might go. He yeah. still has. He might go of, back to Real Madrid. And exactly. Come, so. You know, we know that Alvaro Morata went to Juventus right, exactly. and then he came back. So it's possible. And Real Madrid is the closest team to kind of sign him. Mm. I mean, he's been there a couple of times. He met the coach. He met, seen the players. He seen them play. And uh, if he goes to Real Madrid, he will definitely practice with world-class players. Yeah. He will get the best education maybe in the world that you can get. Yeah. Yet, will he play? Will he play at games when they don't play with Alvaro Morata or Benzema? I mean, that, that's Alvaro Morata is not playing that much either. So, I agree with that. I hear with that. And if... We're taking playing time into account. And we both mentioned that playing time is a must. A must. For young players. Yes. Or any player. Um, I would say, while he'd learn a lot of Real Madrid, he'd probably be sent on loan somewhere else, which could be good or bad. But I would say... Wait, before you say it, Chelsea. Yeah. You have Diego Costa. Mm -hmm. His backup hasn't played that much, but they don't have that much trust in his backup yeah, either. She Batshuayi. Batshuayi, yeah. yeah. They don't play him that often either. To mm. so go to Chelsea is also a risk. I don't want to say risk, but it's it's also a, a could harm him in his development. So he needs to go to a club that is willing to play him, is willing to rotate the squad enough that... He can, even as a new player, young player coming in, he'll still get a decent amount of chances. Right, right. And, like, if you think about, like, kind of Wayne Rooney's case, that mm -hmm. he wants Alexander Isak should go to a team where there are, like, champions, but also a lot of talents. Yeah. There's a mix between that, right? Yeah, like a mixture between Ronaldo and Giggs. Exactly, so, exactly. Right. Uh, and also, if you look at the coach that is known for bringing in a lot of talents, mm. if you look at these terms and factors that could bring Alexander Isak to the perfect club for his development, and we pray to God that he stays healthy and without any injury, it, what club is the best fit for him now then? So then I would say, yeah. taking all of these into account, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will go for a club that I've been admiring for quite a bit these last few years, Borussia Dortmund, with Thomas Tuchel now as coach, with top players Marco Royce, Pierre Aubameyang, Mario Goza, Andre Schürrle, Andre Schürrle, but... Shinji Kagawa. Shinji Kagawa. Plus youngsters like Emery Moore, Christian Pulisic. So I think that's the perfect mix of experience and youthful exuberance. Yes. And yes. Yes, you're Tom, right. Thomas Kugel you're plays right. them all, rotates them all. He does. Evenly. I, they bought Emre Moore that surprised everybody in the Euros. A Turkish national player. They bought him from Denmark. Mm. And uh, he's 18 years old. Mm. You have Pulisic, one of the biggest export of US soccer. Most exciting player to follow. Yeah. And really direct plays. Both of oh, these yeah. players. Yeah. Dembele, also 18 years old. Mm. That has very attacking style of play. And all of these are mature, but has a tremendous growth potential, right? Right. You have uh, the Westenfalen. Yeah. You have the Wall. And you're right, Borussia Dortmund as a club, the past years has been giving these three, four talents a play. Mm -hmm. And apparently, you can sense that they have a long-term plans too. Yeah. Now, they... Pulisic just signed a new contract extension until 2020. So, oh my God. He's, he's been, there's been so many rumors about him going to Liverpool... Stoke and uh, Dorman has you know fought them all off. But why would he when he already feels like he's in good environment? Yeah, exactly. And he has playing time. He also has an impact on the team. Yeah. And club like Dortmund is also known to eventually sell the players too, mm. right? So if you look at Alexander Isak's case, 
most likely one or two years from now, Aubameyang will probably leave right. for Real Madrid or another team. True, right, which opens up a spot for Isak to play even more, get even more time. Exactly. I watched also Ibrahimovic's first game for the national team or when he was at Malmö and I followed his entire career. And I'm sure a lot of people did that with the same with Wayne Rooney, right? Right. And somehow I've been kind of sad and afraid that what will happen when Ibrahimovic leaves, you know? Like the joys and the goals that he scores and just to cheer for another Swede in the big stage has been kind of like uh, emptiness. Can you feel me? Yeah, I hear you. Well, you're almost afraid of what will happen afterwards. Exactly. Exactly. But you know what, man? Yesterday, <laughs> Alexander Isak signed 9 million euros for Borussia Dortmund. Ah! Life is life. Remember the name. Yeah! Oh, here we go.